seats. I have a short Operation Christmas Child video I'd like to share with you. Cuando haya recibido las cajitas ha sido una hermosa experiencia y sentí una gran emoción. Había muchas cosas preciosas ahí. Encontré un pelucito, colores, muchas cosas que ver bien. Gracias, Señor, por es el gran regalo que me diste. Yo te lo agradezco con todo el corazón. Mi parte favorita de la gran aventura fue cuando Dios hizo la creación. 
antes como yo no conocía a Jesús mi vida no tenía sentido porque no tenía alguien a acudir pero cuando he conocido a Dios siempre tenía a alguien a mi lado de tener a alguien a mi lado me hace feliz Dios es lo mejor que a mí me ha pasado en esta vida ha cambiado mi vida y a mi familia Dios nos ama tanto más que a nadie por eso dio la vida por nosotros no sé parece la presencia del Señor es algo más bonito que todo es lo mejor es una, algo tan precioso más preciosa que una flor gracias por todo lo que tú me das y yo sé que tú proveerás a mi familia y a mí
band. Thank you, Rob Sam, you choir. That was beautiful, wasn't it? Amen. All right, there's something about that song. Open my eyes that I may see. Open my heart. Open my ears. And you know that should be every Christian prayer. Amen. Every day. Lord, what am I doing here today? Well, what are you doing here this morning? Well, I'm hoping and praying that you come to give your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ. Amen. It's my prayer that if you don't know Him, that today will be the day you come to know Him. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. It'll be a life-changing event. If you will truly give your heart and soul to Him, then look out. Your world is going to change. And change dramatically. You know what? So, at the past couple of weeks, we've been in prayer a lot. We've been asking God uh, what's going on and what's happening in our world. Let me tell you, our world is just crazy. If you want to lose sight of what's happening, just watch the news. Amen? If you want to get lied to, turn on the TV. People ask me all the time, how do I keep from being discouraged? You know what I tell them? Turn the TV off. Open up your Bible and turn the TV off. And you'll find yourself not just knowing why things are happening, but you're going to find yourself rejoicing at what's happening. Because we are starting looking up, knowing that our redemption flow is nigh. Hallelujah. Our God is coming back, and He's ready, church. He's ready. What the problem is, is we're not quite ready. We need to get our hearts ready. We need to get our souls ready. I don't know about you, but we got loved ones at home that need to get saved. It's time to get busy. And you know, as we begin praying about what God would have us to learn today at Rock Valley Baptist Church, I came across a phrase. And that phrase is something that has been uh, throughout the past week over and over and over again. So we'll sing it out. That's the title of this morning's message. Singled out. And you might be feeling a little bit today like you're just singled out. Like whatever's happening to you, no one else is going through. And you know, that's exactly what the devil likes to do to a Christian. Did you know that? Like to single them out and let them feel alone. Let them feel like nobody cares. Let them feel like no one else can understand what you're going through. And you're the only person in the world. Kind of sounds like a teenager. You're like, yep. It does, doesn't it? You know, there's a reason why we're called children of God. Anyways, but that's what happens. The devil loves to single us out. And he loves to discourage us that way. And plant within us those lies that says your church family doesn't care. Or those lies that says they don't know. Wrong. They do know. They are praying for you. They do care. They do love you. And you're not the only one who's ever gone through what you're going through. So turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 21. 2 Samuel, chapter 21. I'm going to take a look at a guy this morning. Very famous to all of us. His name is King David. King David. Now, King David is one of the most colorful people in the Bible. He has moments of great spirituality. He has moments of great sin. He has moments of great confidence. He has moments of great, well, I'll let you decide. Moments of... Where am I? What am I doing here? Why did I end up here? And it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Second Samuel chapter 21. Let's read just a few verses together here. Starting at verse 15, the Bible says, When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Before we switch the slides, I want to remind you to remember that David grew faint. Now he's getting old. And he gets tired, and he's trying to keep doing what a young man can do. Go on with me to the next verse here, verse 16. Then Ishbi the Nob. <laughs> I saw some twinkles in eyes as 
because I said his name. Ishbi Benab. Sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi or something, doesn't it? Ishbi Benab. Sounds like a Jedi Knight. No, Ishbi Benab. Incidentally, this is an interesting character. Then Ishbi Benab, who was one of the sons of the giant. What giant are we talking about? We're talking about Goliath. We're talking about one of his children. And you already know the rest of the story. David took Goliath's sword and cut his head off. This is one of Goliath's sons. One of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword. He had a brand new sword. He thought he could kill David. In other words, in, in modern day translations, I got a new sword and I put David's name on it. This is for you, buddy. This is revenge for what you did to dad. Look at verse 17. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Did you catch what's happening there in that story? The son of the giant singled out David and said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get revenge for what he did to my family. I'm going to bear down on him. And the Bible tells us David became weak. And if it wasn't for Abishai, he would be dead. What can we learn from David and Ishbi 
a Christian versus the devil, perhaps. And that's a picture I want you to take a look at this morning. Perhaps you're thinking right now, the devil has just singled me out and he's throwing all the weight of the giant upon me. And you feel like nobody cares and nobody loves you. And what's more, if you're like David, you're getting tired. And you're praying for your Abu Shahid to come and save you. Perhaps we have a picture this morning of a Christian versus the devil. Take a look at this picture I have up here for you. That is Abu Shahid saving King David. The giant there on the horse on your right. King David in the middle being pulled from the saddle. He's getting ready to have the sword plunge into him. And Abu Shahid strikes him. Bedouin raiders. 
snakes. That's right. You didn't want them in your tents. You didn't want them inside your caravan. You didn't want them in your pack. And they could get anywhere and everywhere. If you built a house, they would get in your house and your adobe walls. Snakes were relatively scary. They put their hand up on a tree, and next thing you know, that cobra was biting them right on the finger. So we have a picture of the devil here as a serpent. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he also transforms himself into angel of light. So not only is the devil serpentine-like, dragon-like, he's also light-like. What does that mean? That means that the devil can look like a church leader. Did you know that? The devil can look like an angel of God. The devil can act like he's got good purposes, but actually deceive you. He used to say, I know that. I've been a Christian for how many years now? How many devils have got behind the pulpit? How many devils have got into churches nowadays? How many devils are leading people away from the gospel, from Jesus Christ, to something that doesn't exist? The Bible tells us no wonder that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So you got some pictures of the devil here. He is an angel of light. He is serpentine-like. And I want to focus mostly, though, on that snake kind of description there. The Bible describes him as a serpent. A snake. We want to keep our focus there as that snake. The Bible also states that the devil can appear as an angel of light. And it's important to remember those two descriptions. I wonder if he can combine them both. I wonder if he can be a light, light serpent. And you know what? I think he can be. I think he can be. Why? Because kids love this kind of things. They're not supposed to go like this. So the adult men go like this. <laughs> so how does a snake bite then? Check out this next slide. This is Eve. The woman learned how to say her name in Hebrew. It's Chava. C-H-A-V-A. Chava. How do we get Eve out of that? Because Chava is too hard to say. Right? Amen. Actually, both of them mean mother of the living. And Eve is the, the Latin translation of it. That's stuck there. Eve Chava is the Hebrew name. Here's a picture of her right there talking to the snake. And I always get the picture that they use a boa as a snake there in the Middle East. And I'm thinking, it's too hot for that snake. It's too dry for that snake. What would it have been in that garden? An ass, a cobra, something of that nature, some kind of quick hunter, something that's a hunter, something that has unique stealth and deception. Sometimes they lose it. So how does a snake bite? You know how a snake bites, and you've got an idea of how the devil bites. We know how the devil fights. The Bible tells us. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And so all we have to do is go back in the Bible and look to see how the devil deceived, how he tricked, how he lied, how he took advantage of, how he used people, how he defeated people with discouragement, how he defeated their discernment, how he diffused them, how he took away their potency, how he took away their importance, how he took away everything from them. We can understand then how the devil fights. We know how he fights. We know that he's serpent-like. And he loves as a serpent to single you out. That's what a good serpent does. A good serpent loves to come between a mother 
and her children. A good serpent loves to come between a church and a believer. Are you feeling me now? A good serpent loves to divide and to conquer. And you know, that's not just serpentine. That's wolf-like as well. You know, wolves love to surround a herd and then slice and dice that herd until you have two or three by themselves. And those two or three are where they will focus their attention and let the rest of them go in. And they will be going, shoo, grab still and not me. Does that sound like the modern church today? It does, doesn't it? We will often praise God that it's happening to them and not to us. When really we should be on our knees praying for those that it's happening to. We should be holding on to those that's happening to. We should be loving, not forsaking. We should be holding on to them, not willing to give up any of them. The devil wants to single you out. And he does that through deception and through discouragement. He wants to divide and to conquer. He wants to break into the herd of God's shepherd field, if you will, and pull aside two, three sheep and say, nobody loves you, nobody cares. They're all running away. To divide and to conquer is how he does that. He breaks that herd up and he lies to that sheep. And he says, the pastor doesn't care. He didn't call you this week. He didn't remember your birthday. He didn't notice the color of your sweater or your fingernail polish. That's how he does those things. You didn't smell my perfume today. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't smell much of anything anymore. It's allergy season. What am I doing? All I can smell is cedar trees, y'all. My goodness. And the devil loves to single you out. He loves to single them out from the herd. And when he does that, he starts working on discouragement, doesn't he? And some of you can bear testimony right now. You say, Boy, that's exactly what he's been doing in my life right now. And not just in my life, but in my family. He's singling us out, and he's starting to wrap his little coils all around us. Because that's what he does. He wants to divide and to conquer. How does he do that? Well, to single you out, the first thing he does is bring about deception. How does the devil use deception in the church? Well, I'm just going to use a Baptist church as an example. Go like this. I don't have to look any further, do I? Deception. That means some things aren't exactly what you thought they were. I can't believe they were doing this. It was just because they're mad at me. It was just a smile on me. No, it weren't. Can I be honest for a minute? Nobody's that important. It's all about Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not supposed to be about you. It's not supposed to be about what you want or what you didn't want. It's about Him and the glory of His kingdom. And he will deceive you and say they're doing it because they didn't like you. They're doing it because they didn't like your idea. You know how else the devil does it? They'll have to say, look, they're gossiping about you. I saw them talking in the court. Really, they're talking about the Dallas Cowboys. But the devil's really going to say, they're talking about you and what you're wearing. You know how else he does it? Clicks. Those clicks that say, you can't come up in here. Oh, whoa, 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 you can't be here. You're not one of the good old boys. Every church has a few of them, don't they? The devil uses them to get you away from Christian brothers and sisters. Why? Why does he do that? Because when he separates you from the flock, then he can do something that he couldn't do with them all together. Remember, remember what Ishbi Benad did. The Bible tells us that he fought to kill David. And I need you to understand that it was his plan, that it was his intention to single David 
be there. David doesn't miss a battle. Y'all remember what happened when David did miss a battle? Something bad happened, right? David doesn't miss a battle. When he gets there, I'm going to single him out. My sword has his name on it. I'm going to get revenge for my family, and they are going to know that Goliath's name still lives. The devil wants to get you alone, get you feeling abandoned, revenge is stored for you. A snake, listen to me now, church, a snake loves to single out its prey. It will often come between a mother and her young. Think about the snake going up into the bird's nest. While mama bird is gone, because if mama bird was there, he'd have to fight that bird to the death. She would peck his eyes out or until he ate her. And then if he ate her, well, then he was full and didn't need those eggs anyways. But if she's not there, then he will swallow those eggs out. One by one. Somebody say amen this morning. One by one. The devil wants to come between you church family. You ever thought it funny and odd that when a church member gets mad, the first thing they do is blame the church? The first thing they do is say it's the church's fault. Somebody isn't doing their job in there. That's the devil working, trying to separate you from your church family. Remember Adam and Eve. How Adam was strangely silent and distant in that whole situation. Listen up, church. It's time. It's time for you to start speaking truth in your brothers and sisters' lives. It's time for us to start speaking truth in our children's lives. It's well overdue that we as a church start speaking truth to our government. It's way overdue that we stand up and start speaking truth to a world that is dying in sin. We are so confused, so lost, we have no way to go anymore. And it's because the church is a quiet, just like Adam was in that whole conversation with the snake I'm just going to stand over here and watch what happens. He should have been right there in the middle of it, putting his two cents in. Amen? I don't care what that woman says. She might have said, listen up, Adam, you know everything, and you're always talking about something. Can you butt out? No, Adam should have been right there and said, you're my wife, and I know that that no good, two-bit, fleezy thing right there is trying to come between me, you, and God Almighty. Remember Adam and Eve. Adam was strangely silent. Don't do what Adam did. When the snake rears his head up, speak. When the snake comes into your house, Speak, Dad, Mom, speak. It's time for you to start speaking truth in your children's lives. No wonder the devil want to separate us. Well, there's a reason why. Number one, there's power in numbers. Power in numbers. Many can do what one cannot. Let me say that again. Many can do what one cannot do. When you get 15 guys together, we can actually clean a kitchen. Somebody say amen. When you get 15 guys together, we can do a lot. When you get 28 of us together, we can become a combat unit called a platoon. You get men together and things happen. When you put them by themselves as one, they're just one person. When you get 15, 20 guys together, we can pick up a car. Did you know that? We can actually sweep a kitchen too. When you get 15 or 20 of us together, why? Because we peer pressure one another. 
kind of sword has the devil been swinging at you lately? What kind of brand new sword has he found to use for you? Is it gossip? Is it loneliness? Is it nobody cares? What kind of sword has the devil been swinging at you? Nobody noticed I was gone. Nobody spoke to me today. No one mentioned anything. What kind of sword is the devil swinging at you? Remember, Ishtibanov had a brand new one that had David's name on it. What kind of sword does the devil need for you? Let's look at the next slide here. We talked about the devil wants to fight you on his home turf. Anybody know what we're looking at here? That's Texas A&M. That's right. That's the home of the 12th man. And they love to play their opponents in their home arena. They call it the home of the 12th man. Why? Because the crowd gets so loud that the opposing offense cannot hear their own stat counts. They get so loud they cannot hear the quarterback's audible. They get so loud they feel like they're in a hostile environment. And you need to understand that is why the devil wants to take you out of God's house, away from God's people. Because when we get together praising, when we get together praying, when we get together calling on His holy name, then we can't hear anything the devil says. Hallelujah. We get a whole field advantage and the devil wants to take you away from that. He wants to take you to this kind of church. I did not take that picture, praise God. But I could have. That's right. He actually killed one of his own inside the water. Cottonmouth is one of those rare snakes that can strike you in the water. That's what his mouth does. The water can go in. It can strike you in the water. Unlike the other snake, if the diamondback rattlesnake gets in the water and they can swim, it cannot bite you in the water because the water will go into other snakes or fish or rabbits or frogs or raccoons or whatever he's hungry for into his territory. And let me tell you, that's exactly what the devil does. Let me lure you into depression. Let me lure you into loneliness. Let me lure you into deception. Let me lure you in and away from your church family so that I can eat you up in this life. You want to know how the devil
and Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. And I need you to see the picture then of God's church, of God's Christians, of God's believers coming together in brotherhood, in sisterhood, agreeing together in prayer, calling on His holy and righteous name, gathered together in His name, and knocking down those gates that have kept up from our brothers and sisters for so many years. Have you ever wondered why the Bible calls Jesus, from God Almighty, to go to those very gates and to kick them open in His holy and righteous name and let the captives out, to let those caught up in depression out, to let those that are in loneliness, those that are caught up in His deception, to get them off of the devil's head and back into God's house, back with God's people. And I want you to know those gates will never prevail. We have to learn how to fight the devil. We have to learn to fight him back. What do we look like to the devil? I wonder when we're together as a unified church, do we look like the 12th man crowd? Praising God. Hallelujah. But I've got a feeling we don't really look that way, do we? In fact, we have to ask that question how do we fight the devil? What are some of our strategies? Well, number one, we need to learn to fight the devil on our turf. On our turf. You cannot match him wits to wits in depression. You cannot match him wits to wits when you've bought the lie that you're lonely. You cannot match him in wits to wits when you sit there and listen to him saying, Nobody there loves you. Nobody there cares. They won't miss you at all if you're gone. You don't provide any service. You don't do anything. What a lie from the pit of hell! You weren't made, listen to me now, you weren't made to fight crawling on your belly like a snake. When we fight the devil on his turf, that means we get down into the dust and crawl around like we're snakes. I don't know about you, but I'm better than that. And I was made to stand up on my feet. And the Bible tells me in Genesis 3.15 that God will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his head. It's my job to go around stepping on the devil's head, not get down there where I can kiss him. Many of us want to get down with the devil in the dirt. No, I want to walk over top his nasty little head. I want to tell him, not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Get you behind me, Satan. No answer to fit under me. Get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my church. Get your hands off America and go somewhere else. Whew. I'm going to fight him on my turf. I'm not getting down there with my hands tied behind my back. Crawling like a snake said, I can beat him. I'm a sportsman. No, the Holy Spirit is giving me advantage after advantage after advantage on how to beat him. I get to walk on two feet. I get to think. I got God's word. I got God's people. I got prayer. I got allies, brothers and sisters. And I don't have to be down there anymore. You don't have to be down there anymore. It's time for you to step up, stand up, start acting like a blood bought redeemed Christian. Start acting like you're worth the price he gave on the cross. 
woman. Don't believe me? Bring a snake to my house and watch what Betsy does. You say, Betsy doesn't carry a gun. She does when snakes are around. Not just that, but Betsy will quickly mobilize her male army in her house and say, stomp his head quick. I want to see some snake blood on your feet. Get on your feet, Christian. Start bruising his Hands. Start doing what the Bible tells us to do. Turn around, face that little serpent, and say, get behind me. You ever wondered why Jesus says, get behind me to the devil? How many of you want to know the spiritual truth? What stays in front of you is what you focus on. Did you know that? That's what you stay worried about. That's what you stay constantly thinking about. Jesus says, out of sight, out of mind, get thee behind me where you belong, eating my dust. Get thee behind me. You're no longer worth thinking about. You say, well, you ain't worried about backbiting. We're talking about Jesus here, right? We're talking about Jesus. Can the devil backbite Jesus? Nope. Nothing. Listen to me now. Nothing has ever caught God by surprise. Nothing will ever take him off of God, and nothing ever does God have to react to you and say, oh my goodness, I didn't think of that. Nope. Tell that devil to get behind you. He's no longer worth worrying about. You know, we like to stand on our feet and we have wonderful sermons. Can you get on your feet? And as true Christians, even though we get up from our feet, we need to get on our knees. Amen? We need to start praying without ceasing. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without if you're going to fight the devil, you need to start praying. Praying without ceasing. That means your prayer life never ends. It doesn't stop because the Cowboys are on. It doesn't stop because baseball's on. You're praying always and everything about everything. Talk to God about everything. Because the devil tries to separate us. As a church, we should be trying to solidify. When you see the devil trying to break the church member off, you should be reaching out, saying, don't believe the devil. Believe the Bible. The Bible says that God so loved the world. The Bible says that you were redeemed with precious blood. The Bible says you were bought with a price. The Bible says that we are to love one another. We should solidify. We should unify. Let's learn to fight the devil on our own terms. We realize we've got to get up on our feet sometimes. Find out what our church is supposed to be like. Oh, Christians, now we get caught up in what this world looks like, don't we? We want to fight. Listen to me now. We want to fight homosexuals in the courts. Let me tell you right now, our battleground is not the courts in the United States of America. Our battleground is on our knees. Our battleground is spiritual. Our battleground is somewhere higher. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 31, where our Look with me in verse 31. The Bible says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Remember, poor David was just tired. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Go like this, shall I? They shall walk and not be faint. This is what the devil thinks we look like. We're supposed to be eagles. But that's what we look like when we're out of fellowship, when we're out of prayer when we're out of God's Word, when we're out of God's will, when we're not unified with one another. We're like a bunch of baby chicks. We're supposed to be a bunch of eagles, aren't we? 
supposed to look like? This is what we're supposed to look like right here. We're supposed to be way up high in a higher place doing something higher. We're supposed to be a higher calling. We're not supposed to be down there in the dust with that devil. We're supposed to be up in the air with the God Almighty. Amen. Put your armor on, and the devil bites. 
find himself sitting back where he belongs in this matter. The Bible also told us in Isaiah chapter 40, go and I brought out to you many times the days of your fame. And you might be sitting in this pew this morning saying, Pastor Justin, I'm tired this morning. And I don't know how much longer I can keep going. I feel so alone. I feel so weary. I feel so
going to be more work. Wrong. If you take the yoke of Jesus upon you, you will find out that He is gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you tired and heavy laden? Jesus finishes His thought by saying, My yoke is easy. Nobody loves me. It's time for you to come to Jesus. Perhaps you're carrying that load this morning and saying, I have not found a place of fellowship. Come to Jesus. You're going to have the word of prayer. If you have spoken to him, if you humble yourself, if you might exalt him, would you come? Father, we come to you now, Jesus, and we're going to thank you for your word. As we take charge of this time, if any, anybody needs to lay this personal word before you, or anybody, Father God, needs to be touched, touch them with you. Would you let today be the day? Morning be the morning as we give you the praise, honor, and glory. May they come and drop their load, pick up your yoke, and learn of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. As we come as we sing, have thy own way. Come on. Don't forget tonight's worship service at 6 o'clock. 
Don't forget, Wednesday night at 6.30. Don't forget, uh, ladies, Bible study, 9.30 on Tuesday and 6.30. Excuse me, evening. Don't forget, men's at 6.30 on Thursday night. And don't forget, Saturday, prayer breakfast and then team meet at OCC Craft Day. I had to go to the Lord and get that burden off of me. Amen. I think I did with Michael. I don't know, but be in prayer for me. Like I bet you says, don't forget to come on Saturday and, and be with the Lord and we all may come and go. So uh, be in prayer for us this morning. Is there anything I may have forgotten? Yes, sir. Would you do that? Let's do that together. Would you be willing to come down and pray with us? Would you come up? Let's close in prayer and be our closing prayer.